0: Living in the West has its advantages, seclusion, privacy, and freedom. But if we aren't careful, those benefits can also become negatives, weapons wielded by our enemy to keep us in the dark spiritually and comfortable with our sin. In the kingdom of God, independence and self-reliance come into conflict with relying on God and being a part of the community. As we live in that Western pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps independence, we grow accustomed to making it on our own. As we live our lives each day, it is easy to become so preoccupied with the major sins of our society that we lose sight of our need to deal with our own, more subtle sins. Our Western way of life is a great gift, but unless kept in check, it can become a weapon in the hand of the enemy against our spiritual life. A weapon that can lead us down a road of acceptability or respectability of our sins. May we remember that sin grieves the heart of God and lean on him instead of ourselves as we journey through life, our sin, repenting of it, and living for Jesus and not ourselves as we live life in the West.
1: All right, so we're finishing the series this morning. And uh, as we start this morning, I want to play a little bit of Name That Tune. So Roy's going to play the beginning of a song, and I want you to first tell me the name of this song. Okay, go. Okay, that's good. Okay, who knows the name of the song? It's real hard, I'm sure. I Want It All, right? That's the name of the song. Who can tell me the band that performs that song? Raise your hand. Come on, I saw somebody over here sing it. Queen. Yeah, question in her her voice. Queen. uh, Who wrote that song? Can anybody tell me who wrote that song? Any Queen fans in here? Yeah. Freddie Mercury wrote that song. Now... Um, Can anybody tell me what commercials that song is featured in? Any guesses out there? Yeah, who said all of them? Um, Okay, Uh, Dr. Pepper, uh, T-Mobile, Twix, Variety, the Olympics, Q8 Oil, Grubhub, and the list actually goes on and on and on and on. So why would uh, a commercial executive... Uh, think to himself, hey, we should use the song I Want It All when a hundred other commercials have already used it. Why, why would they do that? Because it resonates with the deepest cry of our flesh. Right? right? Think, think about that. Um, I want it all, I want it now. It always brings to my mind the it's my money and I want it now commercial. Right? It's my money and I want it now. It's their job as commercial writers to make us, entice us, cause us to want it all. To want those things that, that, that we have. the problem with that, and I learned this, I learned this, this week, it is almost quite literally the mantra of Satanism. Okay, in in the satanic Bible, and yes, there is a satanic Bible. The mantra of Satanism is this, do as thy will. That is, if, if, we, if we take the old English out of that, basically what that says is, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. This is what Satanism offers you under the prince of darkness. Do what you want when you want. Now, that's very different than the message that we have here, isn't it? Completely and totally opposite, but still our culture as we we live our lives, we want it all of that. We that's why we do so much of what we do, because we want we want that that we don't have yet. Today's topic is indulgent. It isn't even a negative word in our culture, honestly. Um, in indulgence, it's in chocolate commercials. It's in dessert commercials. Indulge yourself. You go and you order a chocolate indulgence at um, Cold Stone Creamery, uh, right? That's what I get every time when I when I go there. Is it is that what it's called? No, no, no. It's it's chocolate something else. Any anyway, um, uh, there are a lot of people out there that honestly encourage us that month this way this morning to take unrestrained pleasure in something. Uh, to take unrestrained pleasure in something. Indulgence is, is actually often our go-to when we need help coping with something. Uh, it's, it's our go-to. So here's my question for you this morning, and this is not a rhetorical question. I actually want you to answer this in your mind. What is that thing that you go to when you are stressed. Uh, Where is your safe place? What is your safe activity? What is that thing? Is is it sugar? Is it desserts? Is it a nice restaurant that you want to indulge in a meal? Um, You know, in the South, they call it food, right? Exactly. Maybe, maybe you just um, need to relax with a shot of whiskey or a cold beer, or, or maybe you muse on your phone by scrolling through images that you know you shouldn't be looking at, but it's been a hard week. I mean, it's been a tough week. I just, I just need, to, I need to relax, and so here I am. I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna do this thing. God forgives me. I mean, grace abounds. That's, that's why he died. Um, Jesus' love is unconditional, so no matter what I do, he's still going to love me. And our mind then begins to take us down that. Some indulgences are small and, and seem inconsequential. They're nevertheless sin. Some are huge, and they become destructive addictions, pornography, alcohol, drugs, drugs. All of them, honestly, as we've gone through this whole series, large and small, grieve the heart of God. When we sin, it grieves the heart of God, no matter what area it is in that we have, have gone through. And, and our small group Bible study, as we've been going through the book, Respectable Sins, man, every week it's like, ugh, really? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't think I was so ungodly. But I am. So it's been a, a challenging thing to back up the wagon and recognize that I have lots of boards in my own eyes. Now, at the end of today's message, we're going to hear a testimony of how God broke somebody's addiction, um, and it was it was all Him. My my prayer this week has been that. That, that all of us will be in, not only encouraged by this testimony that Janet's going to bring us at the end of the service, but, but that we recognize that the power of God that's available for every one of us in everyday lives, um, not just those who have addictions, but for all of us, but but this morning is especially on those who have have addictions of some kind. So where we indulge ourselves in some kind, we we don't realize that when we use things to escape, that we do that instead, I- instead of living in our world on mission, uh, a mission from God as God's soldiers, sharing the gospel, pushing back the darkness in in our world, living for the kingdom. Instead, we indulge ourselves to escape. We indulge ourselves into to materialism, into building. Holding our own little kingdom with our own, faith, if you would, to First John chapter two. First John, it's not the Gospel of John. Uh, if you go almost clear towards the back of the New Testament, you'll find First and Second and Third. We're going to be in chapter two, and we're going to look at three verses this morning. 1 John chapter 2. So John says this, starting in verse 15. Do not love the world or in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So he starts with a warning, and it's a firm warning, right? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. So this is the warning. What you want shows who you love. Okay? What you want, what I want, shows who we love. This is what he's presenting us with here. You love the world, you want the things of the world. If you love yourself, you feed your selfish desires. But if you, if you love God, you can avoid the things of the world. God loves the people in the world and he proved his love for us when he came voluntarily. Jesus died Paid the price for our sin. He was the way. He was the truth. Everything he said, true. Everything he promised, it's going to happen. Everything that he said he would do, he did. And he is the life. Not just someday in heaven because we're a Christ follower and we're adopted into the kingdom of God, but right now, when as soon as we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior to well up in us, And the question then becomes, which life am I going to feed? Am I going to feed the carnal, selfish, human life? Or am I going to feed the life that God has given me? That He wants to fill up inside of me? You see, God proved His love for us by not taking, but by giving. Right? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. But... But what often happens is we love stuff. And we use people. And we use people to get stuff. Um, that's not Christianity. It's, it's not biblical. That is sinful. Using people to get stuff. Um, it honors the little g god of the world. Satan, the prince of the, of the air. It's his mantra. <laughs> no matter what you have to do, to, to, to desires, do that thing, whatever you want to do, um, love stuff, and use people to get stuff. A biblical worldview would be that we would use stuff to, that we would use the stuff that God has given us and blessed us with, and, and we all fall. Someplace different on that line to uh, blessings and, and all of that stuff have. Um, but a biblical worldview is that we would use the, the things that we're entrusted with temporarily in this world would be tools that we would use to, to bring people into a deeper relationship with God. As though our primary mission on the earth were to bring people to know God. That we would know him more and bring others to know him more. But, but our problem is that we often practice the opposite. We, we think we can love stuff and use people all the while call ourselves Christians, and that's just not true. We can't. John says that if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. He says basically we have two choices, right? We can love the Father or we can love the world. That's the dichotomy he presents. I mean, that's a little harsh, right? I mean, come on, John. What does Jesus say about this? Um, Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, well, well, that's just John and Jesus. What, what, what does Jesus' brother have to say about it? He wrote the book of James, James 4.4. 4. You adulterous people. Ugh. Ouch. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. James is calling us an enemy of God if we're friends with the world. I mean, it's all consistent, right? What about Paul? He wrote a lot of the Old Testament. What did he say? Philippians chapter 3 verse 18, "For as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross." Of Christ. So, so they're enemies of the message of God. Then Paul tells us more. Their destiny in verse 18 is destruction. Their God, little G, is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. That's indulgence. What they eat, so so that, that's basically saying they eat what they're hungry for. they they do what they want when they want their mind is set on earthly things they love the world but as christians our citizenship is in heaven right we're foreigners in a foreign land and we eagerly await a savior from heaven to come the lord jesus christ so we have john we have jesus we have james we have paul The Holy Spirit over and over and over trying to get us to see what happens when we love the world and our life becomes all about things in the world instead of the Father. We need to make our choice. You need to make your choice. Uh, He's bringing us to a decision. What do we choose? What do we choose? Now, why is the scripture so strong here? Because it's true, right? Right? When when, when we get involved in all encompassed by a thing, what does our mind constantly do? It goes to that thing. Whatever it is. Car, boat, camper, something that you want, maybe that you don't have. Um, it could be a sporting event. Could be climbing the corporate ladder. Um, there's so many things that so many things that we could, we could be content without, but we just get this desire in us, and we want that thing. Now, it's it's not hard for us sitting in here on a Sunday morning to say, "Yep, that's wrong." To think about my life and go. Yeah, yeah, I I overdid my focus on that thing. I'm not going to do that. It's easy to put a pause on life and to sit in here and say, Yes, but as soon as we step out those doors, the real battle begins. And, And we can't just throw up our arms and give up loving God and instead focus on ourselves and focus on stuff and on people. Because when we do that, Satan has us right where he wants us. We, 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 we fill up our lives with all of this stuff and we cut our time with Jesus short. That happens, doesn't it? You wake up, oh, I really need to make sure that I do, do my devotion before I need to read my Bible before I leave the house. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I, you know For me, it's, um, I, okay, I got to check my news app. I got to check Facebook. Oh, any new videos on YouTube, and right if I go down that hole long enough, then there's no more time for me to do my, to do my devotion that I've committed with a couple other guys to do every day, and then my life is filled, and I'm just really busy during the day. You know, there's vacation Bible school, right? Oh, well, that's spiritual, but that's not my personal spiritual time. Um, and then, and then I go home, and I'm just wasted, exhausted, and I, I lay down and I fall asleep, and then, you know, you fill up, you wake up, and your, head, your body feels like it's full of lead, and you drag around the house for a while, and then you eat supper, and then you sit down and you watch the hockey game, because you got to watch the hockey game, right? The, the Stanley Cup is going on, and, and, and then by the time I lay into bed, and I open my phone and look at it, and there's this little reminder from my Bible app that says, hey, don't miss a day. And I make a decision, and I got to tell you, I don't succeed in the right decision as much as I should. But but the reason is because I made a decision many, 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 many hours before that to focus on something that, that had no eternal significance in it, that in my head I know that I should I really should read my Bible first, but there's this desire, right? We fill our hearts and our minds with Facebook or the news or sports scores or the word, whatever that is. I don't even know what that is. Um, it's like really, I anyway, or or even harder yet substances, and, and we cut. Jesus short and now we're out there in the world and we're focused on all of the wrong things and it can get rough. He tells us in verse 16 why this is a problem. Um, that, that was the warning in verse, verse 15 and then, and then here is the why. He says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. Now, where, where it says um, lust of the eyes, you may have a translation that's, that might say cravings of the flesh. Lust of the eyes, it's the same word in the Greek. Um, so, you know, put, put whatever word you want in there. Wanting, craving, lust, it's all the same word. It's the same word. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it, it, it feeds my desires, right? It, it looks good. And it offers to help make me better? And the world says, oh, you're hungry? Here's something to eat. Look at it. Doesn't it look good? If you eat of it, you will be better. Does that sound familiar? It should. Genesis chapter 3. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and broke the world. And sin and disease and sadness and sorrow and cancer and miscarriages and divorce and broken hearts rushed in because something presented itself to meet a need. It looked appealing, offered to make her better. Look, the enemy sticks haven't changed. They are the same today as they were in the beginning. Right? So the why, number two, is wickedness comes from wanting worldly things. The, the worldly things are what the enemy uses to drag us toward wickedness. Uh, this is his tool. He says, don't you want this? Look at it. Yes! Yes, it's really good. This is what you need. So we are enticed to want to experience everything we can in this world. Go to all the places and see all the things we don't want to miss out. Right? There's an acronym for that. FOMO. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. Right? We 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 experience that. Satan roams the earth. He look, we're des, we're we're des, deceived to think that we shouldn't be deprived of anything in our life. Right? It's my right. Sounds like a sermon I heard a few weeks ago. It's my right to have this thing. I I am entitled to this thing. I live in a free country. Everything should be accessible to me everything without consequence if whatever if we can do things that'll make life that where I can live and do what I want to do but then there's no consequences of that great satan roams the earth the prince of the air he is alive and active and you know what his goal is it's to kill you It's to destroy your life. It's to ruin everything that that you value. And that can happen when we focus on the world and we are dragged away. One one of the things that he uses, uh, there's two things that he uses. One is our desires, the desires of our flesh the cravings that we have, the lust that's inside of us, the wanting. That's one tool that he has working for him. The other is the things of this world. And he combines those two, the desire that we have in us and the things that the world has available out there, and he attempts to drag us away. This is how James says it in James chapter 1, verse 14. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed, mind you, James is not saying the devil made you do it. It's our own evil desires that are enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. John says the lust of the flesh, that's I want to do something. That's what the lust of the flesh is. We wanna do something, we wanna experience something, we wanna feel something. We want to give over, to give ourselves over to pornography. We wanna follow that link. I wanna hit that page. Oops, look where I'm at. Well, while I'm here. And it leads to death, not physical death, mind you, as we've been talking this whole series. All of these sins that we've been talking about don't lead to physical death. They lead to the, the death of our intimacy with God, the, the death of how close we are to Him. The enemy is trying to drag you to death. That, that's what he's trying to do. And we have to realize we are at war every day. It's a battle. It's a fight. we got to be ready and willing to fight that fight. You see, he's after you. He wants you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children's lives. He wants to destroy your faith. And he'll manipulate and lie and entice. Now, some of you are thinking maybe pornography. That's not really my thing, but But after a good hard day of work, what I really want is a good happy hour. Now, honestly, in Goshen County, um, there's no shortage of establishments where you can go and you can sit down and you can have a couple or three or seven. Now, the Bible is very, very clear that drunkenness is a sin. That is black and white. Drunkenness is a sin The question then for you is when does one cross the line to drunkenness? When is that line crossed? Um, you may be like i don't really know where that line is it's just it just kind of helps me sleep at night it, it helps me unwind at the end of the day. Well, the Bible is clear that any Time you get drunk, it's a sin. So if you don't know where that line is, you need to figure it out. You need to figure out what that line is. Because if you don't, I mean, you're just looking at God and saying, well, I don't care what your word says. Look, I'm just going to do my own thing. Um, It's not for me to tell you where that line is. I mean, if there is any hint of addiction and you say, oh, yeah, I'm not addicted. I can quit anytime. But you haven't and you can't. And you know you're not being honest with yourself or with others when you say that you could quit. You need to recognize that that's not good. Satan is going to use that in your life to destroy everything. Everything. Because the enemy wants to kill you, and once he has you addicted, he will hit you with it over and over and over and over again. I don't care what it is. Pornography, alcohol, um, drugs, chocolate, soda pop, whatever it is. And then you're going to eventually one day ask the question, how did I get here? And the answer to that question is one sin at a time. One day at a time. One shortcut in the morning at a time. That's how we get there. One compromise at a time. The lust of the flesh. I want to do something. The lust of the eyes. I want to have something. There's something I want. This is uh, Amazon therapy. Okay, we look for the first time in history. If you want it, you can actually have it days later, delivered to your doorstep. I mean, delayed gratification will soon be the thing of the past—at least the necessity of it. Um, I want it. I want to have something. Materialism could be that—the um, air. It's the air that we breathe, and then the pride of life. This is—I want to—I want to be something. Who are you? What letters are behind your name? Where did you go to school? Um, why you take pride in your accomplishments? You have trophies on your shelf, plaques, diplomas, because it's become who you are. And 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 then you have these goals of who you want to be, what you want to be. I mean, really, we're just accessorizing our life at that time, right? Or or the question, who do I want to marry? What's what's my list? He has to be successful. I mean, my uncle used to say you can marry a rich one just as well as you can marry a poor one. What is on that list? She has to be drop dead gorgeous, or where I work has to be prestigious, or it has to be super high paying, or I have—I want to be the starter on the volleyball team or the basketball team. Here's what's wrong with those things. None of those things that I just mentioned <laughs> ask the question: Is was her heart completely sold out for the? Life? What were his goals in life? Were were his goals in life to be to be an upstanding, righteous man? the Lord, his God, faithfully every day? we got to ask those questions. I mean, you're not going to talk to her for two minutes without hearing about Jesus. She just loves Jesus. Is that on your list, guys? If it's not, it should be. Where are we indulging ourselves? What things in our lives are leading us away from Jesus, not to Him? I mean, every day is a constant battle. And we got to fight the desire to love stuff and use people to get more stuff. Because if we're living that way, we're agents of the enemy. That's what John is telling us. It, It is often just... The air that we breathe, it's just what we do. So we must heed the caution. Look at verse 17. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I mean, it's, it, we live so much in the here and now. Here and now. How do I feel today? What do I want today? We forget that this is just a mist. This life that we're living in, as, as long as it seems it's been in the last three years, it's going to be gone like that. Over and over and over, I hear people with young kids say, man, you know, I always heard that time is going to go faster and faster, but I had no idea. Yeah, well, we've been telling you that for a long time, right? I mean, we all, time just goes. We need to recognize that that's just the way it is, and that's okay, and that's more reason for me to live for the kingdom instead of for this world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. C.S. Lewis said it like this. I love this quote. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And look, uh, you you don't have to watch television very long and watch people that get rich and and have fantastic sports stuff and all of that, or, or actors and actresses who have it all, right, but don't have Jesus, it doesn't take us very long to recognize that their life is empty. They continue to want for something. They continue to have this vacuum, this void in their life that they're trying to fill with stuff and it just won't fill it. It just won't happen. So let's live for that world that C.S. Lewis is talking about. Living, walking in the will of God. That's the way. We look at the, the warning and the why now. Here's the way. Walking in the will of God is living for another world. Let's live for that other world. It says that the desires of this world will pass away. The, the world is, is fleeting like a mist or a fog waiting for the sun to burn it off in the morning, right? It's going to be there. You can see it, but poof, it's gone. That's the world that we live in. But that's not the world we need to live for. We need to live for the world. We need to, to make decisions on a daily basis that's, that's living for the world that's to come, not the one that we're in. And, and I pray, God, may our desires be your desires desires, that that we would walk in His will, that that I would walk in your will, and and as I walk there, that that your desires would be birthed in me and become my desires. Psalm 37.4 says it like this, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, we love the, get the desires of my heart. God, um, so then it becomes, uh, if I do this, then you'll do this, right? If I go to church often enough, then God's going to bless me. If I do the right things, then God's going to bless me. Well, not necessarily. I, I'm not God. He's the one. He's sovereign. He makes those decisions in in your life and mine every day. But, but here's, here's how I read that verse. So... I'm taking delight in the Lord, and as I take delight in the Lord, as I walk with Him every day, as I study His Word, as I, I'm in communion with Him, in prayer, and, and things come up, and I, and I think about Him, um, as I'm delighting in the Lord, he, he is giving me the actual desires. Okay? Are, are you with me? It's not He's giving me the desires of my heart, the things that I want. He's actually giving me the desires. So the desires that I have in my heart are from Him. And then I'm desiring the right things because I'm delighting in Him. When we take delight in the Lord, when we spend time with Him, our desires will conform to His. It's going to happen. Now, not without battle and not without fight on a daily basis. All right, so if you're a parent and... I think you've experienced this. As parents, we have two primary responsibilities. Uh, one is to teach our children what to do with their wants, right? Hey, Daddy, let's, I want to have ice cream for every meal today. Whoa, 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 whoa. As much as I would like to have ice cream for every meal today as well, I recognize that that's not going to make you healthy. Okay, that's not a good want to have. We need to, we need to teach about that, okay? That's not a good want to have. But as our kids grow and they grow up towards adolescence, we realize that that their their wants are then also desires. I mean, they want to be liked. They want to be seen. They want to express love towards another person and they want to receive love from them. They have all of these desires. So it's not just teaching them what to do with their wants, um, but it's teaching them what to want. I want them to want the things of God. As we spend time with our Father in heaven, we learn to do what we should with our wants, and we also learn what to want. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, let me tell you something interesting about Freddie Mercury that you may not have known. Um, The singer of Queen who recorded that song, I Want It All, I Want It Now, he never performed that song live. Right? He never performed that song. He wrote it, and then he died before he got to perform it live. Now he had everything. If, if you've ever watched, I mean i I did um, the like the movie about Freddie Mercury, um, he, hundreds he was a rock star. Hundreds of thousands of people gathered to hear him sing weekend and week out. every He had everything available to him. That song was really born out of his desires and his wants and his lifestyle. I want it all and I want it now. And he had all kinds of pleasure. And in the end, at the age of 45, it killed him. I'm telling you, that indulgence... You living with that same mindset, I want it now. Trying to be a rock star in our own little world. It'll kill you. It will kill us. It, the enemy will use it to kill our faith, to drag us away. Our desires not conformed to God's desires are absolutely destructive. So as we close this series... <laughs> Um, let's continue to fight against the sins that have been, become acceptable, that have become respectable to us. I mean, we have to fight that every day. Uh, just because we've gone through this series and now we know these things, right? Um, that doesn't just now, I can't just, you know, kick back in the back backseat and, and, you know, relax for the next three months, four months, the rest of my life, no. We will never naturally gravitate towards righteousness. We've got to fight for it every day. Um, We have to fight busyness and entitlement and apathy and comparison and gossip and anger from unforgiveness and indulgence. You know, wickedness comes from wanting worldly things. Walking in the will of God is living for another world. And 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 what I want you to know about sin, is you take it, and then it takes you. And it'll take you further than you ever intended to go. And it will hold you longer than you ever want to stay. Addiction will do that. Living for the world. take at any level. We have the desire. There it is. It's in the world. We take it and then it takes us. It takes you away from your marriage. It takes you away from your family. It takes you away from your relationship with God. The pursuit of purity and your singleness that you want when you give in to that desire, it takes it. All the things it takes us away from all the things that God wants for us. I mean, it's been played out in movies, right? In Willy Wonka, The Girl That Turns Purple. Uh, in Narnia with Edmund and Turkish Delight. He eats and he can't get enough and the queen uses that to cause him to betray his whole family. Oh yeah, but that's just a movie. Uh-uh. I mean, it is, but that's real life. And a real-life example that we're going to hear now this morning is alcohol. It it took control of Janet. Satan was using it in her life to kill many things. The ultimate goal was to kill her.
2: Good morning. Let me tell you about my... Jesus. My name is Janet. For those of you who don't know me, I would like to share with you today my testimony I used a certain platform I used during my time I spent last year at a rehab program that God opened the door for me. It's called Realities and Truths. Reality is growing up very poor in a very dysfunctional family, having an alcoholic father and a mother who was a prescription drug addict. Being sexually abused by my father from the ages of 5 to 13. Reality is developing feelings of low self-esteem and the inability to trust others. Reality is carrying that baggage of guilt and shame, feeling I could never be good enough or worth loving. Reality is running out of steam in the human rat race trying to do everything in my own power turning to alcohol to be numb to not feel anything to not face responsibilities and to avoid dealing with life in general and reality is living a selfish lifestyle putting myself first before my husband my family, my friends, and above all, God. I wanted to be a success according to the world's standards. How do I know that's reality? Because that was me. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You see, we all have different reality. But what's wonderful is we can all be changed by the same truth. Second Corinthians 517 states, who is in Christ is the new creation. Old is gone, the new has come. The truth is, I don't even know who that girl is anymore. <laughs> The truth is, I have a loving Heavenly Father. I always have. Psalms 2710 states, Though thy father and mother forsake thee, the Lord will receive me. The truth is, I have a Heavenly Father I can always trust, believe in. He cares for me and heals all my wounds. Psalms 18.2 states, The Lord's my rock my fortress, and my deliverer in whom I take refuge. In Psalms 30, verse 2 states, O oh Lord, I cried out for you for help, and you healed me. And the truth is, I have a heavenly Father who accepts me, loves me, and forgives me. Psalms fifty one twelve states, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus comes to kill, restore, and make new. The story of the prodigal son came to life for me. You see, God never left me. I left him. As a child, I was told that if I believed there is a God and that I was a good person, well, then that's what made me a Christian. Let me share with you my story I call the Little White Bible. My sisters and I were like seven years old and... God had blessed us with some very dear Christian grandma and papa. And this Christmas, my granny gave each of us girls a little white Bible with our name on it. I loved my little white Bible. I started reading it. I didn't understand everything was in it, but you know, God said it's okay. Well, I read in there that I was a sinner. And unless I asked Jesus to forgive my sins, that if I died, I would go to hell. Well, I'd been to church to my grandma long enough that I sure didn't want to go to hell. <laughs> so I went to my grandmother and I said, Granny, said I want to be saved. I want to know that when I die, I can go be with Jesus and be with God in heaven. She was so happy. And we knelt together and we prayed. And and I can't give you a specific date, but I know the moment. I know the the time Jesus came and came into my heart. And I knew then and trusted nothing or nobody in this earth could take that away from me. Over the next several years, through a series of events, God impressed upon me the need to be baptized and join a church. So I did. That was great, but it grew spiritually. You see, it wasn't that I wasn't getting fed. It was the fact that I was not eating. Oh, I attended church regularly, but I never got serious about reading and studying my Bible. (sighs) much less having a real prayer life. For years, I stayed a baby in Christ. Fast forward, <laughs> over the next 30, 40 some odd years of my life, I'd gotten married, had two sons, and over the years, we had moved several different places. We had joined a church, and I'd get involved. and Well, I taught Sunday school, worked in BBS joined all the ladies' groups. I even worked in a prison ministry for a couple of years. I stayed busy. I was a Christian. It was my duty to serve. Fast forward again. The kids grew up and left home. Now, what was my purpose? Enter empty nest syndrome. I went to school and became a respiratory therapist. I thought I wanted a career. I was searching for something in the world to fill the void in my life, to be a success according to the world, knowing all along in my heart I should be seeking God's will and not my own. One of the biggest lies in life is to believe this could never happen to me. I developed an I don't care attitude. I cared about no one else or anything. All I cared about was my addiction. You see, that's how addiction works it starts very subtle. You lie to yourself, you tell yourself, I can control this. I'm not hurting anyone. Addiction becomes your god. First Peter five eight states, "Be alert and of sober mind." Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. <laughs> yes, my friends, that is what happened to me. But God is so good. There is victory in Jesus, and the truth will set you free. Step one, I had a problem. Step two, I admitted I needed help. Step three, and this is the only way it's going to work, folks. A hundred percent complete surrender to God. Oh, I'd been to rehab before. And speaking from an addict's side of the street, you have to want sobriety. You have to want it. You can't want it for your family or anybody else. Nobody can do it for you. You have to take God's hand, surrender to him, and let him lead you. There are rehab programs out there, but I want to promote God's rehab program. You know, we addicts are good at saying we hit rock bottom only to discover that we're in the basement with a shovel in our hand digging a deeper hole. Well, thank you, Lord, for never giving up on me. I hit my rock bottom to discover my rock is Jesus. I am no, and I knew in my heart, mind, body, and soul, I would never be free or break the chains of addiction without God. I want to let people know there is always hope. I especially want to thank God for all my family and friends for all their forgiveness, love, support, but most of all their prayers. Never stop praying. Never stop seeking God. I want others to know Him, that they too can experience the true joy, peace, and freedom that can only come from the Father through Jesus. The sun. I would also like to encourage each of you to pray about sharing your testimony. The Lord has showed me that each new day is a fresh start to a great adventure. As long as I seek Him, His will, trust, and obey His will, you can't imagine what He will bless you with. Mm-hmm. He gives me a new testimony each day. My prayer today is that through my story, and we all have a story, we do, each and every one of us, that I've been a sower of seeds for God's kingdom, honor, and glory. I can testify. That now, I have a life and a relationship with Jesus i never imagined. You know, for years of my life, I knew about Jesus. But now, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference about knowing about him and having that personal relationship. For everyone out there struggling with whatever chain of bondage, stronghold it may be, please take it to the cross, the cross and lay it at the Savior's feet. Let the power of Jesus break those chains. Follow Christ and you will be blessed beyond your imagination. For each of us in His best. I'm happy to say I no longer serve. I feel mm. it's honor. Mm. My new motto in life: Happy to serve. Thank you for letting me share. Mm.
1: Stay right here. Um, Where's your husband? Okay.
0: Come up here, Mikey. Uh What an amazing thank you.
1: Uh, for those of you that know Janet really well and have known her for a long time, you know that uh, it's this change in Jesus is legit.
0: It's a real deal. And that if there's anybody out there who is struggling with any kind of addiction, any kind of adu- indulgence, that you got a decision to make.
1: And uh, we want you to make the right one to follow Jesus. And uh, these two are leaving us, moving back to Arkansas. We'll be back. to come visit us. That state where they say words that I don't even know what they mean anymore, right? Um, so I'm going to pray for you guys, and I'm going to pray for all of us. And we're just going to close the service right here. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you did for us in your son. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you send. Thank you for the change that 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 you have done in Janet's life, um, the healing, uh, the new life that she's experiencing. Her and Mike, you're experiencing. I just pray for safety as they they move and and find their place in Arkansas. And uh, God, I just pray that uh, that they would continue to surrender themselves to you to be used by you in the lives of other people. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us. Would, would do the same, that, that we would lay down those things before you, that we would choose you, um, that you would heal us no matter what it takes, help us to surrender our all to you. God, thank you for what a great day this has been, um, seeing the things that our children learned this week and, and uh, being challenged ourselves and through this series. Thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that uh, we can come to you, that we can have eternal life because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you all back here next week. Amen.